0: Nope. We don't need to speed up the process. We don't need to nuke this. You know why? Because this is the non-microwave truth. I am C.L. Whiteside, and this is brought to you by Time of Grace Ministry. This is a podcast that is going to challenge culture's truth and culture's perspective. If this is your first time joining us, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And if you've been with us multiple times, thank you. What a blessing it is to have you join us again and to tune in again to the podcast. Now, let's get into our first word problem. Something I was just thinking because I just noticed like how many people have AirPods in or some headphones in or they own a phone and they just got straight like tunnel vision. And I just was like, man, what is the best way to acknowledge someone else as a human being? Because I feel like that's a lost art. I feel like so many times in our lives we walk past people, we see people and we like, oh, I don't want to make eye contact or we just like don't even acknowledge them as a human being so I'm gonna give you four choices and you only can pick one though you can only pick one which of these four is the best is the best way to acknowledge someone else and say like man hey I see you as a human being I have love for you automatically because you are a human being which of these four is it to smile at someone just smile at them is it to nod and if you nod do you nod up or do you hit them with the nod down is it to wave at the person or is it to actually say hi or hello? Now, personally, I think the best one is actually a smile. I feel like a smile is very welcoming. It's warm. It is And you automatically kind of have to make eye contact with them. It's not like there's no there's no question about who you're talking to. If you look at the person and you just hit them with a, a nice smile. But what do you think? The second one I think is actually the best is a nod. I feel like the nod automatically is like, what's up? How you doing today, brother? Like, I feel like it automatically says all these different things in it, but but I could be wrong. Maybe it doesn't for you, but for me, it does. I see a lot of people that hit me with the nod. I'm like, oh, they just say, hey, how you doing? And I appreciate that. Now, I think the wave can be really creepy because some people are like, are you waving for me to come here or what? And I just think people take that the wrong way. And even a hi. A high with not enough good tone in it and positive energy. People are like, ooh, this person weird. Like, why do they say high like that? What's wrong with them? Now, I think if our Lord and Savior Jesus is walking, he would hit us with all four of those a combination. But that wasn't the question. The question was, which one do you think is the most influential or the best to acknowledge someone else as a human being? And the second part of our first world problem question is this. What combination do you use? When you are greeting or you happen to want to acknowledge someone else as a human being, I hope you're not acting stuck up. I hope you're not like, I don't see you. You you see them? What combination do you use and what combination do you think is the actual best? So we got three parts of this first world problem question. All right, which of those four is the best? Which combination do you use and which combination do you think would actually be the best? Remember, I would love to hear from you on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. I want to hear what you think. And this is our first world problem it is dinner time the 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 title of this episode is true or false this is prescription not description this is the third episode in a four-part series if you haven't listened to the two episodes before this let's listen to this entire one and then go back and check out the other two now that phrase this is prescription not description how do you know if that's true or false in the bible some of you like i don't even know what you're talking about what do you mean by prescription or description so this is what i mean i coach a ton of, of young men a ton of, of athletes and one day one of my athletes is like coach how come you never tell us about anything that you did that was bad Or why don't you tell us about certain things that happened in, in high school for you and the reason why is not because i want to make it seem like I, i'm perfect but the reason is i have a very I'm I'm very aware of what you tell people matters because I don't want to make it seem like anything that I did that was actually a sin or was wrong, make it seem like it was okay. So at times I just don't have enough time to give them the entire description of what happened. And then I need to tell them about the consequences or tell them why it was wrong or tell them why it was a sin. I don't want to just leave them with, yeah, I messed with this one girl this one time and blah, blah, blah. And just boom, leave it at that. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, coach did it. So that means it's OK. And there are times where people look at things in the Bible and they say, oh, this happened. So that means that God is actually prescribing it when in reality, God is not prescribing it. He's just describing it. But something that he does do a lot of times with the descriptions is he gives us the consequence or he tells us like why it didn't work out or why it's not ideal. And I understand that. So that's something that I want to make sure when I'm talking to, to my athletes or talking to anybody, I guess. When I tell them about some mess, I did. I want to be able to tell them about the consequences and why it was wrong and tell them why it was a sin. Now, something for you to think about. And I want you to think about this because sometimes we confuse that prescription with description. Now, I want you to think about what I'm about to read to you. Is this prescription or is this description? Okay, Solomon, Solomon had. 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. Jacob in Genesis, he had four different baby mamas. Two wives maybe and two concubines. Maybe they they would consider him four wives, but I just say two wives and two concubines. He had 13 kids. A lot of chaos behind that. David, he had at least eight wives. Now, the thing that I have heard some people say is that God prescribes a man to have multiple wives. Like, this is what God wants. And if you want to be a real man, you need to have multiple wives. It's okay to have more than one woman. Like, if you can handle it, that's that's just the thing. And I remember vividly, a couple years ago, I went out with one of my homegirls. I think we went to go get something to eat, maybe have a drink at a bar. And I, I'm married at the time. I got my wedding ring on and everything. And this dude who was there. I recognized him from, from playing basketball back in the day. And he's like, hey, what's up, man? And I'm just like, all right, what's up, dude? And he's like, yeah, man, is this your wife? And I'm like, oh, no, no, I, I am married. This is not my wife. This is just one of my homegirls. I've been knowing her since kindergarten. We go back like four flats on the Cadillac. And he's like, oh, OK. He says, so are you interviewing? Interviewing her? I said, what? Interviewing? What you mean interviewing? He's like, you know, in, in my country and some stuff that I read, you know, we have multiple wives. So I, did, I didn't know if you were interviewing her, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, this this not that. This is not that at all. And he's like, okay. Then we talking a little bit more. And he's just like, yeah, man, you, you know, the, the woman you and I would like to get to know her possibly if you, I was like, I'm looking at him like, do you not understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? That's that, that Chris Tucker. I'm like, this is not my wife, not my potential wife. This is not an interview. This is nothing like that. But he just couldn't get that out of his head. But I'm guessing if he looked at some of the scripture in in, in the good book, he would think that God prescribed it or God said that it was okay to have multiple wives. And I'm just looking at my I do this. This is not that. Now, some people will say, well, how do you know that God is not just describing this and that is actually not a prescription to have multiple wives? And does it really say in the Bible you're supposed to be with one person romantically? And, you know, marriage is just between one man and one woman. And it's like, yes, That's what the Bible prescribes. The stuff that I just described to you before was a description with the 700 wives, 300 concubines, King David having at least eight different wives. And you're like, well, how do you know that? Because of this. Jesus referenced Genesis when he was talking in Matthew 19, verse four. And this is a prescription. Okay, this means what you should do. Description is just describing what it is. Prescription is what we should do, what we should carry out. He says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And when you go back to Genesis chapter two, this is how you know that God prescribed one man and one woman for for marriage. He made one helper. Like he took one rib and he formed one woman in Genesis chapter two. He didn't take multiple ribs and give Adam, Eve, Eve and all these other different women. He gave him one woman, one woman. First Timothy three, verse two tells us this. It says now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife. The English standard version says one wife and it says temperate, self-control, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. So you think about that. One man and one woman. The Bible prescribes this. Now, those other descriptions, did you you catch that? It said that Solomon, he got led astray by his wives. If you look at Jacob, Jacob had a whole lot of baby mama drama and a whole lot of chaos. King David did the same thing, just tons of chaos. Some of his kids died. died. It was not something that God prescribed, but they definitely described it. They definitely gave a description. When you look at First Corinthians chapter seven or you look at Ephesians 5, 21 to 33 that talks again about the one man, one woman marriage. That's just to name a couple of sections. There are multiple sections in the Bible that talk about this, but just had to give you a couple of sections. So when people talk about or especially some dudes try to use that, you know, you know, I was designed to be with more than one woman, it's like, stop it. Stop it. I mean, you really not The two will become one flesh, not you don't want to become in flesh with everybody, you know, like, no, that's not how it's supposed to be. Now, in this episode of true or false, this is prescription, not description. I want to look at something else because I know that people have heard this before. People have said before, like the Bible doesn't speak against homosexuality or, you know what? It does. But when it did, that was talking about some Old Testament prescription stuff and we're now in the new testament that was the old testament when it was talking about homosexuality it don't matter now as long as you love love who you love love is love okay let's see what scripture says romans you know romans is the new testament romans 1 verse 26 says this it caused it dishonorable so even if it's describing it, it described it as dishonorable. It says, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for the women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And it goes on to talk about men doing the same thing. In the NLT, in the section, it says warnings against false teachings. It says this first Timothy one, verse 10, it says the law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers. Or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. So it makes it clear. Marriage, one man, one woman. That's not just a description. That is prescription. Don't say you have to get married, but if you're going to do it, that's how you do it. That's how you're supposed to do it. Now, in this episode of True or False, this is prescription, not description. I want to look at this passage and I want you to tell me what you think. Like, is this passage prescription or description? Because sometimes when people get into talking about if you really are a Christian, you will have the capability to do this. Or if you really aren't a Christian, you won't be able to do this. Acts 2 verse 4 says this. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So speaking in tongues. Do you have to speak in tongues? in order to be a true christian of god these are some of the things that that arise when you get to talking to different people like well you're not really a christian because it says right here if you do this then you really believe in god but is that prescription or is that description is that something that they just described or is that something that has to be is that something that that should be now i want to go to what paul said And Paul said this, he said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So here it is again. But the question is, is this just a description or is this prescription saying that we, we have to do it to be a true Christian? You need to be able to speak in tongues. Now, I'm going to answer that question for you right here with 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Now, I'm going to jump ahead. It says to verse 27, 27 says this. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So, If you didn't catch it, this is just description. This is not prescription that, you know what? You have to be able to speak in tongues. And I know sometimes people can... People can um, send you off or, or make you feel less about yourself, but we are all different um, body parts in the body, body of Christ and in the true church. And sometimes when you don't have a certain gift or you don't have a certain talent, sometimes people look down on you and say, well, you must not really believe or you must not really be a child of God. And, and as we see, there are tons of different gifts. There are tons of, of different ways to to show purpose and to show love for our Lord and Savior. So just remember that you don't have to speak in tongues. That's just a description. Now, I want to look at something else and just have you thinking about this too where when we read and examine in the Bible, we have to just use not going to say common sense, but we have to use discernment to understand like all right, is this a prescription or is this a description? Do you think about Peter walking on the water? Peter walking on the water. Now, some people might say, you know, that's obviously something that that happened. And it is. But I guess the prescription part would be, all right, when you are in a storm and you want to Get out of that storm, you can step out of the boat like Peter did and start walking towards Jesus. That's what you should do. I got breaking news for you. You should not do that. If you are in a storm on Lake Michigan, the Pacific Ocean, don't get off that boat and start trying to walk on the water. Don't do it. You better get a life jacket on, even if you can swim. That ocean water is a little different. That lake water is a little different. This is a description. Now, I know a ton of pastors, some awesome pastors. They will come up with just awesome figurative analogies and metaphors for this. And they will go crazy with this. But when you think about this, this is a description. And there are things that you can pull away that are prescription. But literally stepping out in a storm and trying to walk on water. That's not it. That's not it. Maybe if they talk about you should take steps towards doing things God's way in the midst of storms, not an actual storm. You you get it. So that's just what I mean by that. Now, something that we can realize when it comes to prescriptive language, it uses words like go, do, you shall not, or you shall do this. You know, describing thats we we have to look at that and kind of just be like, all right, Jesus a lot of times described what it meant to be a, a follower or a disciple of his. And then he gave prescription. On what that meant and what steps it actually took. But so that's how we gotta just look at it when we actually are, are reading the word and how when we listen to different pastors, listen to different speakers in that way. And something I gotta bring up for sure is that times it can be a little confusing. I'm like, man, how do you know if this is prescription or how do you know this is description? You really gotta examine different parts of the Bible, look at the complete context. And something that I, I've been taught is that you really want to allow scripture to interpret scripture. So what that means is you might see it in one place in the Bible. It's usually going to be in multiple places, especially when it's prescribed. It's not just going to be in one place. And what description is, you saw with a lot of those things. If it's a description and it's something God doesn't want us to do, God will oftentimes tell us what were the consequences of that. Or you just got to look at like, man, did this turn out good or did this turn out bad? And a lot of times with those descriptions and things, especially the negative things like you can be like, this didn't turn out good at all. This did not turn out good at all. Now, something that I want to look at is this prescription or is this description is the Bible and how it talks about forgiveness. Like, Which one is this? Is this prescription or description? And I want you to think about all the different descriptions it gives us of Jesus forgiving. Jesus forgave the woman in adultery. That's in John chapter eight. Jesus forgave the woman who anointed his feet with perfume. Jesus forgave the paralyzed man that got lowered through the roof on a mat. Jesus forgave the c- criminal on the cross. Jesus forgave when Peter denied him. Jesus forgave the people who crucify him. Now, some people are like that's just describing. I can't forgive like he can. Is it though? And, and we got to look at this from Matthew 18, verse 21. When Peter came to Jesus and asked, he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times. Now, you got to realize this. When Peter says seven times, he thought that was a lot because I read something that said a lot of the rabbis, a lot of the teachers of that time taught that you should give a, you for you should forgive a person three times. So Peter was like, I can forgive him seven times, up to seven times. Is that good enough? But then listen to Jesus answer. He says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And when you look at that, that's not literally saying, all right, I'm gonna count one time, two times, three times, all right, it's getting up to seven. Like, no, it's just saying, forgive, forgive as you have been forgiven by our Lord and Savior. Because boy, if you think about how many times you sin in a day, I I can't even comprehend that sometimes. Like some of the things we accidentally think, and just because it's an accident doesn't mean it's not a sin, but we, we sin so much and the Lord continuously forgives us. Now, this is prescription though. Listen to this passage from Ephesians 4, verse 32. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So that prescribes to us how we should forgive, how many times we should forgive. Be kind and compassionate to one another, just like Christ is to us. Now, we're going to transition a little bit and just look at love, like love. The love described in the Bible, is that prescription or is that description? Love one another is a description and it's philosophically cool, some would say. Like, I can't love like it talk about the Bible. I can't love like God is supposedly loving us humans. Like some people say they can't do that. Now, when you look at Romans 5, verse 8, it tells us this He said, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And somebody like, I'm not dying, I'm not dying for somebody who just wronged me. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I feel you in that. I know why you feel that. But let's just keep going on. John 15, verse 13 says this: greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus talked about at times, you know, it's easy for us to love and easy for us to forgive others that are good to us. But he said, don't even the the pagans and the tax collectors do that. You know, you are really one of my disciples when you are able to forgive. You are able to love somebody who doesn't deem necessary or deserved as as loving and that's how what christ says you really know you love or you know you really know you want a mind now let's look at matthew 22 verse 37 this is prescription right here prescribing what we should do jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself so when we look at these two big things that we look at is love and forgiveness. That's what makes our God so special, especially when you compare it to other religions, you compare it to other gods. I would say that the false gods is his love and his forgiveness is unmatched. It's unmatched. And at times people want to say like, man, that's just a description. We don't we don't really have to do that. But our Lord and Savior tells us that we do. And people will know who we are because of the way that we love. We can love like him because we have the spirit of God. And that's something for us to always remember and just always appreciate, always rejoice and be like, man, my God really does love me. My God really has forgiven me. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode, uh, episode of True or False. This is prescription, not description. We got one more episode left in this series. Tune in next week. Peace, punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.